passages within within the Easter story and so we're going to be skipping around a little bit the 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 resurrection story of Jesus is found in all four of the synoptic gospels uh, Matthew Mark Luke and John they each approach it a little bit differently they each approach Jesus's resurrection a little differently actually John spends very little time talking about the resurrection itself I think he has like two verses or something where he's like yeah he got up and then he spends two chapters discussing what Jesus did after he resurrected, specifically the fact that Jesus appeared to a lot of different people. And I think that's so interesting. The most spiritual man in the world, Jesus, spent his time after he came back from the dead and, and, and all that he went through, spent his time visiting with people. So as Pastor Rocky is talking about care groups, you don't think, Spending time with people is important to God. I'm telling you, it is very important to God. Jesus himself, the most spiritual guy in the world, did not spend multiple hours a day in prayer. He spent multiple hours a day going and visiting with people. Because people are important to God. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is important. People are worth it. Come on. Uh, So prayer is important, and that's good too. But Jesus, when he rose from the dead, what we have are documented time after time after time of him appearing to different people. And what's interesting is the particular kind of people that Jesus appeared to. This is what really stuck out to me as I was reading the four Gospels this week, just going through Holy Week, going through the stories. What really stuck out to me was like he didn't appear to the kind of people that I would have appeared to. For instance, there's no record of him appearing to his mom. So mom, look, if I rose from the dead, she's watching online right now. I would make sure to stop by Port Huron, Michigan and visit with mom and dad, let them know, hey, I know you're really sad, I know it's awful, it just happened to me, but I'm back, it's all good, I'm fine, you don't have to worry. I conquered it all. But he doesn't, there's no record of Jesus going to his mom's house. It's amazing to me. You would think people that you're emotionally connected with, who raised you, who you love, obviously, it would appear to them. I mean, also, I think I would go to my mom's house. Then after that, I would go, like, knock on Pilate's door. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a shock? <laughs> Someone's at the door, Mr. P. <laughs> the guy we just crucified three days ago. Yeah, maybe, like, go sneak in the closet of some of the Pharisees, you know, and, like, humdy dum But no, he doesn't appear to Pharisees. He doesn't appear to his enemies, the guys who crucified him. I would have gone, I would have gone and visited Barabbas. (laughs) Just to let him know, I died for you. It's so interesting, there's so many ways in which I would have done it, but Jesus did it quite differently than me. Jesus appeared to a real select group of people. 
It's not, not a huge list. We know he probably appeared to others, but in terms of what is revealed to us in Scripture, there's a, it's a very select list of who he appeared to, and it really stuck out to me this week. So the first group that I want to look at uh, is this group found in Matthew 28. So we're going to jump around a little bit. Matthew 28, eight, uh, verses 8 through 10 says, The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. This is the NIV version. He said, greetings. So these are the first people that Jesus appeared to. Chronological, in, 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 in chronological order, these are the first people that Jesus appears to. The women here would be Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James. And apparently there were possibly some other women of whom his mom may have been in the list. I don't really know. So maybe he did appear to mom. But he appears to these women first. And it's the very first people that he appears to. And as I was reading the story this week, some things really stuck out to me. These women had gone to the tomb early on that, we'll call it Sunday morning. I guess we don't exactly know what day of the week historically, but we'll say Sunday morning. On Easter morning, the women go to the tomb. Jesus, on the third day, they go to the tomb and he's not there. An angel appears to them early in, earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. An angel appears to them and says, hey, he's not here. He's risen. Come and see. Come, come into the tomb and see that he's not here. Just his, just his clothes are here. So they go in. They see what he was wrapped in. And, and the angel says, he's not here. He's risen. Go and tell his disciples. So this is where we come into the story here in Matthew 8, ver, uh, 28, verse 8. It says that the women hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, yet filled with joy at the prospect that Jesus had risen, right? So they're on their way to meet with the disciples. And then Jesus meets them and says, greetings. Now, 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 now as we read the story, they came to him and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. It sounds like he's just repeating what the angel said. So in terms of usefulness, this is one of the most superfluous meetings of all. Jesus giving them some instruction for which they just got instruction that they were doing. So they come to the, the, the tomb, the tomb's empty, the angel says, hey, go tell his disciples, he's risen. They're like, wow, this is awesome. They're running on their way to do that, and then Jesus interrupts them and says, hey, greetings, go tell my disciples. <laughs> In other words, he like just showed up for them, not for the instruction. And that's what stuck out to me, and I thought, well, why would Jesus appear to them first? There's a part of the story earlier in, in Matthew's gospel, it's not going to be on the screen, but uh, it's just in, at the end of chapter 27, after Jesus has been crucified, after he uh, has died, there's a guy named uh, Joseph from Arimathea, who's a rich man, and he has his own tomb, and he goes to Pilate and asks if he can bury Jesus in his tomb, right? And it was near, geographically nearby Golgotha, where he was crucified. So, so the Bible, uh, uh, Matthew tells us that Joseph carried, or probably had his servants help him, take the body of Jesus to this tomb and put him in the tomb. And there's this interesting passage I've never noticed before, but it says that as they were rolling the stone over the tomb, that the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, were sitting across from the tomb. And I, I had that picture just, just like, I don't know, I'm a creative kind of person. I see like pictures. I just had this picture of these two women staring at the tomb their eyes welling up with tears, tears running down their face. 
They're mourners. They're mourning. This is the first kind of people that Jesus appears to, is the mourners. He appears to those who are weeping, who have been weeping for a while, who are grieving, who are hurting. I don't know, I just had this picture of this, of this woman, right? She's grabbing her chest because it's getting tight again. Anxiety is creeping in because when, when, when the one who is your hope is buried, when the one who is, who is your hope, who, who casts the demons out of you, when he goes down, can you feel the demons begin to creep back in? And I don't know, I just had this vision of, this, of, of the two Marys just sitting there. They're watching as the stone is rolled. And it's a huge stone, and it would have been dug at the bottom so that you, you push really hard, and then it sinks into place, and it's not going to be moved, and that's the idea. This is a rich man's tomb. They didn't just dig some hole somewhere. This is, you're not going to get into this tomb. And so Jesus appeared to mourners first. And he appeared to them, not to give them instruction, because they already got instruction, but he appeared to them because, I think, because they were mourning. And so I know on Easter Sunday morning, everybody looks lovely, and you got your Easter dresses on, and looking, looking sharp, peace, love, and unity, sweatshirt, <laughs> um, looking sharp, looking good. And many of us are smiling because we've got family and pictures, and all of that's good. But I know some of us are also at the same time grieving. For some of us, it's been the toughest year of our life, and it's only April. <laughs> For some of us, the last 12 months have been so difficult. Maybe it's the last three years since COVID. I mean, we've been going through some things, and we've been mourning, and we've been grieving. And so I want to I tell you that the resurrection is first for you. First, like it's for everybody, but the first people Jesus rushed to meet didn't even, no, no, no utility to it. He wasn't giving them instruction that they didn't already have. He just wanted them to know. He just wanted to say greetings. And that word greetings, it means be of good cheer. It's an it's a, it's a ancient way to say hello, hi, how's it going? Except it's not how's it going, it's hey, it's going really well. That's really what he's saying. Hey, it's all good. And this is what he appears to. And he's not telling them, hey, don't cry. Because God isn't afraid of human emotion. In fact, man, I can imagine that the, like, like Christ, who is buried in the tomb, his spirit's not in the tomb. And he sees the Marys there grabbing their chest and tears falling down their face. And he wants to reach out to them. But he knows he has to wait a few days. And so the first people that he shows up to so I've been waiting for three days to let you know that I'm still here. And so to all those who are grieving today, and I know some of us are. Some of us are dealing with things that are difficult. Some of us have lost things that we cannot get back. Some of us have seen stones rolled over our hope and over our dreams and maybe over our marriage and maybe over our jobs and, and maybe over an actual loved one or actually lost a loved one. I mean, it's a, but it's not just death. It's, it, the grief comes to us in all kinds of ways. And I want you to know that Jesus wants to appear to you today. The resurrection, we know about it because of who he appeared to. I think that's why he didn't appear to Pilate because Pilate wouldn't have told anybody. 
I think that's why he didn't appear to the Pharisees, because the Pharisees would have twisted the story and we never would have heard about it. He appeared to those who would pass on the message. And he knew that those who were mourning, they were just mourning because they didn't realize that Jesus was still with them. And if they could realize that they still had Jesus, it didn't matter what they had lost. They still had hope. They still had joy. They still had peace. And even though you can't see it in the moment, that, 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 that sorrow lasts for a night, weeping endures for a night but joy will come in the morning and I'm telling you if you can receive Jesus if you can grab a hold of him that's what they did they grabbed a hold of his ankles if you can even in your grief if you can grab a hold of him if you can still have him you'll get through the hardest year of your life you'll make it through the most difficult season of your life whatever it may be he will he will awaken even if there's fear he will also awaken joy Notice that's what they had. They had fear and joy together. <laughs> and sometimes those two live in the same house. And you, I mean, God, God maybe isn't going to take away what you lost. He's not going to take away the loss. He's not going to even take away the feeling or the impact of it. But he's going to let you know that he is there in the midst of it. You can grab a hold of him. You can worship him. You can lean on him. You can rely on him. Because as long as you still have him. And that's what, that's what Jesus was reminding them. I know what you've lost, but what you still have is me. I haven't left you. You haven't lost me. Maybe you lost the way it was gonna, you thought it was going to work out. Maybe you lost your plan. Maybe your five-year plan just turned into a three-month survival mode. I don't know. Maybe, well, I don't know what you lost. But if you still have Jesus, you still have hope, you still have peace, and you will, in the morning, have joy. Joy will come to you. The second group of people that Jesus appeared to is the doubters. <laughs> the doubters, the skeptical, the doubters. Yeah, do we have any, have any doubters in, in the room? Any, uh, got a couple doubters. Jesus appeared to doubters. As I was reading through the Gospels, it, it, it blew my mind how many, actually every single Gospel records doubt after the resurrection. Obviously before it, but even after Every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark records a little more. <laughs> but uh, everyone records some level of doubt. And so I guess I just wanted to read one passage because there's a lot that we could read. But uh, Luke chapter 24, and we'll have it on the screen. Luke chapter 24, verse 9. And this is, this is Luke's version of when the women got to the disciples. Okay, so Matthew tells us that the women were at the, the tomb and they met uh, an, an angel and the angel told them to go tell Jesus' disciples. And then they meet Jesus and Jesus says, hey, I'm here, greetings, be of good cheer. And then he says, you go tell my disciples. And so, and so you would think, okay, they've, they've met Jesus, they've seen the empty tomb, they talked to angels. Now these women who aren't prone to lying show up with the disciples and this is what it says when they came back from the tomb they told all these things to the 11 that's everybody but judas because judas is dead <laughs> that's the whole group that's all the disciples so 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 peter james john you name it they appear to them tell all these things to the 11 and this is who it was these people are trustworthy it was mary magdalene uh joanna uh mary the mother of james and the others so that's why i say perhaps Jesus' mother was there. The others with them who told this to the apostles. Interesting that Luke is talking about, calls them apostles. Even though at this time they're not really apostles yet. But he's letting them know, these are, 
This is the apostles. These are the, the guys, because remember, he wrote this long after the resurrection to people who would have recognized the apostles as being the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And he's saying, guys, okay, the top, the cream of the crop, we're talking Peter, the entire Catholic church was built on that one. Uh, we're talking James, we're talking John, who's still with us at the writing of this. John the beloved, John the apostle of love, right? And so we're talking some, some heroes of the faith giants the guy, the guy, if, if there are statues in heaven these guys are the statues because they are the 12 pillars actually so I mean there's so much uh, the, 12, the new Jerusalem the 12 tribes I mean there's so much going on with these 12 guys now it's 11 there will be 12 but these guys he's the man it's the apostles and in verse 11 says but <laughs> they did not believe the women why not because their words seemed to them like nonsense. <laughs> the giants of the faith, the apostles, heard that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. That he's never lost a battle. Like they heard it and it sounded ridiculous. It sounded unbelievable to them. And they have all this faith. Peter actually walked on water for a minute. They have all this faith. And they hear it. And to them, it sounded like nonsense. I think it's the NIV version. I think the New King James says it sounded like a fairy tale. It sounded like something you made up. It sounded like, you know, uh, 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 what's his name? Jack, who, who planted the beans and it created a stalk. And he went up and found a giant up there. Like, it sounded ridiculous. Like, what are you talking about, man? This is crazy. And, 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 and it's not just them. I mean, as, as you go through, also in Matthew 28, uh, the verse that we just read where, where Jesus met the women. Well, it says in verse 17, that when they saw him, they worshiped him, the disciples, but some doubted. You know, we don't have that on the screen. But even after he appeared to some people, they worshiped them. And then some still doubted. Like, they're shaking his hand, and they don't know if he resurrected from the dead. This is, this is crazy to me, and that's, that's what Matthew said. The Mark says that when they heard that Jesus was alive, and that she had seen him, the, the women, they did not believe it. And it says in verse 12, afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. We're going to read about that in just a second. That's the, the road to Emmaus. And it says, those people returned and reported it to the rest of them, and they didn't believe him either. And time and time and time again, we see that great men of faith and women of faith, great people who we look up to, they did not believe it. They started out as doubters. Jesus appeared to people who weren't even sure if they could believe in him. And so I guess the point of that is if you are a doubter, Thomas gets a bad rap because he's the doubting Thomas. And I'm sure he's up in heaven saying, bro, it wasn't just me. It was everybody. All y'all, as they say in Texas, all y'all. They're, they're all doubters. Doubting Peter, doubting James, doubting John. But for some reason, you know, your enemies pick a nickname for you and it sticks. What can I say? That's a quote. But anyway, uh, so, so if you're a doubter, welcome to the club. If you, if you doubt the existence of God, if you doubt the reality of Jesus, the reality of the re resurrection, welcome to the club. The kingdom of heaven is made up. 
of doubters, people who are unsure, people who aren't solid, people who aren't full of faith and power all the time, people who hear what God has done and they're not really sure if it's for them. So why would Jesus show up to people who don't believe it? Why would, like he told the women, go tell them. It's almost like, okay, let's see if they believe it. If they believe it, I'll show up. If they don't believe it, I'm going to go somewhere else. But no, Jesus showed up to people who refused to believe what they heard because he knew that their doubt didn't affect his reality. Jesus, unlike Santa Claus, does not rely on you to believe in him for him to be real and for him to really affect your life. This is the beauty of Jesus, that all of us at some point were doubters, and even in the midst of our doubt, we didn't believe it before we saw it. He came in and interacted and impacted and and met us in our doubt and overwhelmed our doubt so that we said, well, he has to be real. He has to be real. He appears to doubters to let them know that their doubt doesn't take away his power. And so if you're here today and you doubt, wonderful. Jesus wants to appear to you. In fact, in fact, let's just, can we, can we just do something? I, I feel like before we can go forward, every doubter here, let's, can, can we just say a prayer? Even if you are a doubter, but especially if you're a believer. Can we just close our eyes just so we don't, don't make anyone feel weird? But just, just close your eyes and let's just say this prayer together, actually. If you are a believer, say it out loud. If you're a doubter, whisper it if you like. <laughs> it's just a real simple prayer. And I, and I believe that it's, that it's, it's a solution. Just say, say, God, if you're real, show me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you're not sure that he's real, he's going to show you. And when he shows you, come back next week and tell me how he showed you. I I won't drag you up here. We're not going to make you like stand up here and everybody stare at you. But like, like literally just let me know. Because it's different for everyone. He, he appears in different ways. Sometimes, what, uh, somebody just hands you a track where you're standing, standing somewhere, like your son was just at, at HEB or something, and somebody just came up and, like, God will show you in various ways, but it will be clear to you. It will be obvious to you. He doesn't need you to believe something that you find unbelievable. He needs you to be open to experience something that you didn't think you could experience. And when you experience something that you didn't think you could experience, then suddenly you realize that what you thought was unbelievable is actually real. It's actually believable. Now, Romeo was, was a doubter until he stumbled into a, to a, to a cathedral, I think it was, downtown Austin on one of the worst days of his life and said, hey, I just need to pray. And God made himself real. You don't have to have all this faith. You don't have to know how it all works out. If you're just saying, God, if you're there, if you're real, would you show me? I'm open to you showing me. I'm open to you bringing me peace on the worst day of my life that I know I couldn't have got any other way. And it's like, okay, well, then I guess something's real here. God, God must be real.
I'm open to you bringing understanding and revelation. I'm open to you restoring things that I thought were completely dead. I'm open, because this is what Jesus did when he appeared to the doubters. There's, there's various stories of what he did. Um, sometimes he just, he just appeared to them and said, here, put your finger in my, in my wound, you know? Like, touch my side. Remember a couple days ago when I got this? Remember that? Like, and so just going to, and then other times he said, hey, actually, give me something to eat. So that they know he's not a ghost. So he's like, here, let me, in other words, God will do something you thought he couldn't do. Remember when you said not even God could. And sometimes God will do what not even God could. Just to let you know that yes, he can. Yes, he does. And yes, he will. Nothing's too crazy for him. So if you're a doubter today, welcome in. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're, you're joining us. Because all of us started off as doubters, even the apostles. But their doubt turned into faith as God began to do things that they didn't think even God could do. The next group, the third group, that would be the quitters. <laughs> Jesus appeared to the quitters. And the failures, I guess, but the quitters. Let's just look quickly at, at Luke chapter 24. This is actually right after this verse that we just read where uh, uh, the women appear to the, to the disciples, to the apostles, and they don't believe him? Well, guess what? Right after that comes verse 13 of Luke 24, and it says, on the same day, in other words, they just listened to the women, and they thought, man, these ladies are crazy. <laughs> Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now, Jesus had told them to stay in Jerusalem. Actually told them to go to Galilee, to the mountain where he would meet them. Remember, that's, the, that's what Jesus told the women. Two of them said, forget this. Now before, now before you judge them too harshly, how many of you, <laughs> in your doubt and in your grief, said, no. I'm going back to what I know. That's what, that's what Peter did, because in, in, in John's gospel, you find that Peter, after he had been told to go to Galilee and yada, 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 he's like, I'm going fishing. Because <laughs> that's what he was. He was a fisherman. He's like, you know what? I'm going back to what used to pay me, to what used to pay the bills, to what used to take care of me. I'm going back to what used to feed me. I'm going back to where I came from, what used to provide for me. Because that's what happens if doubters do not experience faith. Doubters become quitters. And it doesn't take long. Same day. <laughs> Same day. It's not a long journey. None of us are too far off from the edge of the cliff. I mean, seriously, even, even the pastor has days where it's like, uh, eh. what did Rocky say? None of us are getting rich doing this. And like, yeah, yeah. Could do something else. <laughs> Could do something. I was telling uh, Rose Ro, in New Zealand. My wife is in, is in New Zealand this week. And I said, babe, this, this, this car came up for sale. And I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I know exactly what I need to do to fix it. There's about 30 grand worth of equity in it. I'm telling you. Like, I, I could just, just quit the church for a month. And I... <laughs> Uh, just kidding, just kidding. And so we, and so, no, I wouldn't even have to. I wouldn't even have to. This could, this could, and this is, and, and, 
And this is where, I don't know, sometimes you look and you're like, hmm, hmm, fishing sounds good. I hear they pay pretty well for a lot of fish. I think maybe we should go back to that. Sometimes there's a pull of what you could be doing. Opportunities are out there. And I'm, the, I'm that kind of person. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. And Ro and I were laughing. We're like, yeah, but we have this calling on our lives, so we better stick with what God's called us to do. You know, it's true. But there's a pull. There's a pull, and sometimes there's a push. Because the pull is what is out there, what I could be doing, and the push is how much this version right here can suck. <laughs> it's like, man, we're locked up in this upper room. We're trembling, fearing for our lives. This is crazy. Now the women are hallucinating. They're talking about Jesus having come back from the dead, all this weird stuff. This is nuts, man. It's just sometimes where you're at is so difficult. Where you, where you could be, you could go back to is so much easier. We quit. And that's what these two guys, that's what these two boys did. They, they decided to go back to Emmaus. They said, I'm out. You guys do whatever you want to do. I'm going back to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey. And so they, they're, they're on the road. I, I know it, it took a while there. But they, they're on the road to Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They can't stop talking about it. As they talked and discussed these things with, with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now, now scripture tells us in the previous verse that I read a while back that he appeared in a different form to them. So this is how they didn't recognize him. So I don't know if he changed his clothes or what the deal was. I'm not sure what a different form means. Somehow they didn't recognize him. And it says in verse 16, they were kept from recognizing him. So he asked them, what are you talking about as you walk the opposite way that I told you to walk? Isn't it interesting when Jesus meets you along the path of rebellion and just walks with you? That's crazy. He does it like sometimes we're going the wrong direction and he is walking that direction with us? What? When Jesus appears, I'm telling you, you might have come in today and you've quit. You've thrown in the towel. You've walked away. You're coming to Easter because so-and-so wants you to. <laughs> you're appeasing such-and-such such or so-and-so. Or fine, I'll do my, my, my Texan duty. One Sunday a year, okay, fine, I'll do that. And, 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 and you're doing that. And you're, you're living your life exactly how you want to live it. You're going the direction that you want to go. I'm telling you that even, like, so doubt doesn't stop Jesus from, from appearing to you and rocking your world. But rebellion doesn't stop him either. They're going in the opposite direction of where he said he would meet them. And he doesn't go where he said he would meet them and wait for him. He doesn't stand over here and like, I'm just waiting for them to come back. No, he actually goes to where they are. How many of you are thankful that Jesus met you in your rebellion and in your backsliding and in your quitting? He shows up to quitters, walks alongside them and says, hey, what you talking about? <laughs> What's on your mind? Because, because, because if, if you can get to the why, like, you can, if you can get to the why, you can figure out the way. The way that you're on is because of the why that you believe. And so he starts talking to them about the way. He doesn't, he doesn't correct them about the way that they're on. He doesn't say, look, stop walking that way, walk this way. He doesn't, he doesn't jump right to that. 
Now he gets to that eventually, but he starts off with, let's talk about your why. Why have you quit? Why have you walked away? What are you talking about? And so they start talking about what has happened. And it says they stood still and their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus plays dumb and says, what things? He's playing dumb because he wants, he, he knows the things, right? What things? Well, the son of the lamb of God was offered as a sacrifice for the world. That thing? Uh, the lamb that was slain, conquered death, hell, and the grave, rose back from the dead and appeared to some women in the garden this morning. That thing? So he doesn't tell them his version of the things. He wants to know their version. What things? Because, because it's not what happened to you. It's what you took away from it that counts. It's what you believed in the moment. Jesus isn't interested in correcting your way. He wants to know your why. And so he says, what things? Tell me, tell me, you tell me. And so they say, well, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first mistake. Now they, now, now they didn't say that three days ago. Yeah. Remember, the disciples said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Pete said, and all the other disciples agreed. It's interesting, man, how what you go through can change what you believe about Jesus. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. The chief priest, though, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped. Used to. Past We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Oh, so you lost your hope. So you used to hope, used to believe. Not anymore. Jesus appears to quitters to help them, to, to help them voice why they quit. And then, you know what Jesus did? And I don't have the passage because it's a really long passage. But he began, he started the beginning of the Old Testament. He walked through the Old Testament and walked through how all the prophets had said time and time and time and time again that Jesus, that the, that the Messiah, the Son of God, would have to suffer these things. That he would have to be delivered up, that he would have to be delivered up actually by the high priest himself, that he would have to be delivered up also by a foreign, by a foreign national country, and that he would be killed, actually crucified, according to Psalm 22, before crucifixion was even invented. In Psalm 22, his hands and his feet would be nailed to a cross. They would cast lots for his clothes according to Psalm 20. He started with all the prophecy. He started talking about how all these things had to happen. And, and, and later on, these two men, when they discussed this walk with Jesus, they said to each other, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked? In other words, Jesus shows up to quitters and to failures to fire up something inside of their heart that wasn't there before he got there. And the way that he fires us up, the way that he puts fire inside of us, 
is by one, helping us to acknowledge why we quit, but two, walking through our past. You, you got to remember, these boys are Jewish guys. These are Jews. He's talking about their ancestors, their prophets, their fathers, their forefathers, and he's showing how even before they suffered what they suffered, even before they went through what they went through, that God already knew just because it blindsided you doesn't mean it caught God off guard. He said, don't you understand that everything that has happened was part of my plan? Don't you understand that I saw it before you saw it? And if I saw it before you saw it, that means I had a plan for it. That means I can bring something good out of it. And that, like, if... If you've ever had a talk with God where he showed you how all your suffering had some kind of purpose, how all of it had some kind of reason, how he knew before it happened and he was in the midst of it, in the midst of it and after it and he was going to bring some of the good out of it, you know that you can get fired up by that. You know you can get stirred up by that. You know that that can do something inside your spirit that says, oh... Here, I was quitting because it was so difficult. I was quitting because I got blindsided. I was quitting because something happened that I did not foresee. But when I understand that God foresaw it all and that he had a plan through it all, man, it fires me up and turns me around. That's what happened if you keep reading the passage here in Luke. They, they're seven miles away from Jerusalem. And as soon as they realized that it was Jesus, their hearts were stirred within them. They made the seven-mile trek back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, no, the ladies aren't crazy. This thing is real. God had a purpose in my pain. He had a reason for everything that I've gone through. And he's never left me in the midst of it. And he found me as I had left. And as I had quit, he met me on that road. Yeah, and that was a testimony to the resurrection. He appears to mourners. He appears to doubters and he appears to quitters. He also appears to the faithful. He shows up to the faithful. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together. Now this is after all this has happened. This is the evening. So this is after the guys had gone to Emmaus and had come back. This is after the women had talked to them. This is, some faith is growing here. And that's why Thomas gets a bad rap, because it, after all of that, Thomas was still like, all right, no, I got to literally touch him. <laughs> but many of the disciples by this point did believe. Because when you meet somebody that's been turned around because they met him, that'll, that'll convince you sometimes. When logic won't convince you, when the testimony of some ladies having had a spiritual experience won't convince you. But when you see somebody who turned around, okay, I'm convinced. And many were convinced, except Thomas. <laughs> but on that evening, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive 
the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he appears to the faithful. So if you're here today and you're, 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 you're faithful to God, you're hanging on, I'm telling you, whatever situation you may be in, He will appear to you. And He'll say peace. Twice He speaks peace. Not a change of circumstances. The, they're still, the, the Sanhedrin are still out there. The enemies of Jesus are still out there. The doors are still locked, I guess. They're still in the upper room. And Jesus doesn't change their circumstance. He just speaks peace. He says, let me. And then he breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost 50 days later. But even here, he's depositing the Holy Spirit. He's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And God will show up to the faithful. A couple of years ago, uh, Carol, God showed up for Carol. And uh, it's great to have Carol with us today. She's, she's uh, Michelle actually rented a, a little scooter for her, a little Powers scooter, which is really cool. Um, I think Michelle also paid for her to be in a hotel room, too. Or part of it, part of it. Yeah, so awesome. Some people came together to make sure Carol could be with us from Dallas. Carol's moved to Dallas uh, a little while ago, and she's, this is her, I think, first time back in, in service with us. And so it's great to have, have Carol with us. But man, I remember when Carol uh, came down with COVID a couple of years ago. I guess it was uh, January of 21. So right after 2020, and things were still pretty unpredictable at that time and uh and and carol's health already she had uh i think it's degenerative lung uh yeah i can't pronounce that so it's basically where her lungs are slowly just shutting down if that's the way i understand it and um then she called me and said that she had covid this is after christmas and i thought oh man this is not good and so we prayed uh, you all prayed we all prayed we weren't allowed in the ho in, in in the hospital um you know because of all the restrictions and so um i think on facebook there's a picture of me and roe and our kids we got in the <clears throat> the parking garage and you can sort of see you over and you see what room she's in and we were stretching our hands for and just praying over her many of you all were praying and um i i know she shared her story before and i think we actually have a recorded version of her story that we're gonna create a video with at some point she's just an awesome testimony but the thing that stuck out to me was how she told me that at one stage that she looked at the end, edge of her bed and Jesus was, was walking back and forth, right? Yeah, walking back and forth at the edge of her bed. Almost kind of just keeping guard over, <laughs> over her bed. And it's an amazing thing, man. When you're hooked up to breathing tubes and this virus has taken over your body, you're not in control. But he is. And you can trust him. And he's faithful. And he speaks peace. And he, and, he, and, he, and he lets you see it. Like it's not, it's not like he wasn't there before. But he gives us little glimpses that, no, I am with you. I haven't left you or forsaken you. He speaks peace. And even now... God's still holding her together. 
<laughs> she was telling me on the drive back from Dallas, uh, yeah, down from Dallas, that 20% in one lung, 40% in the other. And it's, I don't know how that works. You know, <laughs> I don't know how you're still here. Only using 20% of one lung and 40% of the other. But, but God is faithful. And he will walk with you. I'm not saying it's easy. Carol's still, still, still got a, a fight, but he'll walk with you. And he doesn't always like, I, I don't know, no, it's, that's, that's a beautiful picture of, but it doesn't always end exactly like that. You know, I mean, Lou has shared his testimony as well, where him and his wife go into the hospital with COVID. I think that was actually during 2020 and um, kind of at the height of it. And his wife passes away and he recovers. What, what's that all about? Where's God? He's there. And, you know, Lou has shared that testimony. And, and even just a couple of weeks, or maybe last week, Lou was telling me about how when he was in the hospital and he was watching a video on his iPad, I think, of his wife, she had been teaching, I guess, in a ladies' event at their church, and, and he's just watching it and listening to it, and the nurse comes in, and she's fiddling with his oxygen and different stuff, and, and he's listening to it, and she's about to walk out, and she turns around, and she says, I need that. And Lou says, what? I need that God that she's talking about. Wow. So when I'm in the hospital and dying, somebody grab an iPad and play some of my sermons somewhere. Because you don't know what peace God wants to bring through your trauma. You don't know what faithfulness... Because what's, what's greater? What's greater? That Carol should walk out of the hospital? That's pretty great. Or that that nurse should find eternal life saved from hell? Yeah, that's better. That's even better. So we thank God for his mercy to help some people walk out and we thank him for his mercy to save some people even in the midst of stuff that we don't understand but he does show up to the faithful maybe he'll do something in you maybe he'll do something through you but he will show up so let's just go to him right now I believe he wants to show up to each and every one of us maybe you're a faithful here today and you need him to speak peace to your heart. If that's you, would you just, just raise a hand up and say, I'm, I'm needing some peace. Maybe you just need him to breathe on you. <laughs> and you've been faithful. But you need a fresh breath of heaven. I want to receive the Holy Spirit, Father, in fresh revelation. Maybe you're in the quitting crowd. And you've been quitting. And the Lord is speaking to you right now saying, look, I'll walk with you all the way back. If you just want to receive him today as a, as a, as a former quitter, can I encourage you just to raise your hand and say, okay, Jesus, I'm here. I'm going to start again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back on the track that I was on. I'm going to turn around. Maybe you're a doubter today. And you doubt but if you're open for 
Jesus to prove you wrong, would you raise your hand with me? Say, I'm open. I'm open for you to show yourself to me. Finally, if you're grieving today and you need him just to let you know that he's there with you, would you raise your hand with us all over this room? Father, we have our hands raised to you. And scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you just call in the name of Jesus, he will prove himself to you. He will show himself to you. He will comfort you. And he will turn you around. And this is how I would pray it if I were you. I would just say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for turning away. I choose to follow you. Come into my heart, change my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are new to this journey, man, I want to invite you to, um, one, fill out that card and let us know. Let us know that you're making that decision uh, to follow Christ. We'll, we'll reach out to you. We have a weekly class uh, called City Chapel University. It happens on Wednesday nights. Um, and we would love to invite you to that. It's just about the basics of the faith. It's about what we believe as a church. And um, I think it's going to be very, very helpful to you. But if you would just fill this out and let us know that you made a decision. Uh, if you want to scan the QR code, you can do that online as well. Um, and if, yeah, also if you're, if you're a faithful one and you need some encouragement, let us know. We want to reach out to you this week. That's what we're here for. Uh, we're not just here to sing songs or preach sermons or do Easter bashes. We're here to, well, to do what Jesus told the, the disciples finally to do. Go into all the world and duplicate yourself. Make disciples. Go into all the world. Teach them what you taught. Take them along the journey that you went on and help them get to where you are. And so that's what we do. We're not perfect, but we'll walk alongside you and we'll see what God can do in your life. So would you stand with me? I just want to bless you as you go before you're dismissed. Uh, man, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you have an awesome week and that you're blessed and that the scripture says the grace and peace of Jesus Christ will be with you. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Happy Easter! Thank <laughs> you.